0: Welcome to episode 15 of the Chasing Bravery podcast. Today I'm speaking with the lovely Joy Miller, also known as the running bartender. I'm so excited about this episode because it truly accomplished what I envisioned Chasing Bravery becoming. Joy is sharing her true story and she's doing so because she believes that other women deserve to hear it. And while I won't give away any details of what the story is, it's hers to tell after all. I will say that she showed immense bravery in doing this, and I'm so honored to be the platform through which she decided to make her truth public. What I can tell you about Joy as an introduction is this. Joy comes to us from Ireland, and we are happy to have her, on a running scholarship. Joy discusses her experience making the transition into college and also to another country, as well as her subsequent run-in with the police for a drinking fine that ultimately cost her her scholarship. This story does have a happy ending, however, and Joy shares how she overcame her drinking issues and went on to re-enroll in school and ultimately become an All-American in her beloved sport of running. I won't give away too much more because I want you to hear it all from Joy. So before we get to the conversation, take a moment, will you, and go rate and review the show on iTunes. Your feedback is how I know if I talk too much, share too much, have a funny voice, make weird sign noises, or do some things well, and I want all the feedback. I promise I'm a glutton for constructive criticism and earned praise, so throw it all my way. All right. In the words of my Southern mother, who's visiting me tomorrow, all right, y'all, let's enjoy this conversation with Joy. Hi, Joy. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah. So um, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody listening. You are the running bartender on Instagram. Um, But give us an idea of who you are and what it is that you do.
1: Okay, so my name is Joy Miller. Um, I'm originally from Ireland. I came over to the States back in 2007 on a track scholarship. I was recruited here. Um, I currently live in South Carolina still, and I work as a bartender um, like between 30 and almost 40 hours a week. And of course, I'm Currently training to try and qualify for the U.S. Olympic Trials, and hopefully I can maybe knock out the A standard eventually, so I can maybe represent Ireland in Tokyo. Fantastic!
0: Um, so I there's so much that we could start with because you have just a, like a very interesting story, um, and I I think I mean just just in what you said in your introduction, um, you know it's it's. It, we could talk about how you came over from Ireland. We could talk about, like, what that transition was like. We could talk about your experience as an athlete in college. But I'm going to let you decide where you want to start.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I guess we can kind of start with, like, how I got here. Okay. Um, so I was pretty, pretty good through my, like, younger years, through high school um, running-wise, and then, uh I got a couple of different offers because Ireland's a big recruiting country for mm-hmm. like u s colleges, I feel like, yeah, and I just got a lot of offers from different schools, and a friend of mine was running at Costa Carolina, so I wanted to kind of go there because I knew somebody um and that's kind of the reason why I picked that school and I ended up coming to Myrtle Beach <laughs> <laughs> um so,
0: what was your experience like? Running in the United States, but also that transition. Was it easy for you or did you struggle with it at all?
1: So, at first, I kind of struggled with it. Um, I obviously left my family. I'd never left from home before, um, other than to travel like to a couple of meets in England or whatever with the Irish team. But yeah, it was a big, it was definitely a big change. I had a boyfriend back home that was kind of hard to leave him. Mm -hmm. Um, My first semester was kind of rough because I feel like I wasn't really. accepted onto the team I had people that were nice and I had people that I just you know wasn't easy mm-hmm. but um my second semester it was definitely a lot easier at first I was like kind of homesick and I just wanted to go home all the time um but my second semester everybody started to take to me a little bit more and it became a lot easier mm-hmm. um and throughout that um I was okay in my freshman year but I did get injured so I ended up um Red shirting for indoors, but then I came back for outdoors. I, I just didn't have a good season my freshman year.
0: Well, I don't think that many people do, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a definitely a rough transition.
0: It is. And developmentally, it's a very um, pivotal point, especially um, as a female and then as a female athlete, because not only is the transition to college huge, but there's also, I mean, you were also dealing with an international transition. Mm-hmm. And then it, there's also just a lot going on in your body at that age in life. Um, and I find that it's a really – it's a really uh, complicated time to be trying to be really competitive. Um, yeah. And I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with it. But I just think that it it's definitely – I think that girls could be prepared a little bit more for the fact that they probably are not going to – run their best performances like their freshman year of college.
1: <laughs> yeah. And for me, it was kind of hard, too, because I came from like, you know, back home, it's more clubs and schools and I train more with men than I did with women. Mm. So all of a sudden I'm like thrown into an environment where I'm only running with women and it's completely different. Yeah. Not that there was anything bad about that, but it wasn't something I was used to. And then coming to South Carolina from Ireland, I struggled a lot with the heat and humidity, which I still do. It's yeah. still a hard hard thing for me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I can imagine. And I bet that the running culture felt different because, I mean, running with a group of women is awesome, right? But there's also downsides sometimes because, I mean, girls are girls and um, there's, I mean, girl code is a term for a reason.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, definitely. Girls can be really hard on each other. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think that if the
0: culture is really positive, then that's awesome, but I don't think that it happens – I think more often than not, it doesn't always look that way, and I think that, um, you know, that can really be difficult for – especially the younger girls on the team because they already feel – they already feel, like, I guess, a little insecure. and
1: Yeah, almost out of place. Yeah. I think I felt a lot out of place.
0: Yeah, and you're trying to find your way and you're aware of the fact that there's a hierarchy because there is, you know? Oh, yeah. um, And it's just like a really – it can be a really uncomfortable period of time. Um, it's a wonder to me that more girls don't sort of crumble under the pressure of that because it's just – man I don't know I mean I feel I,
1: like they come and they do come and go a lot because like mm. from just um even like being an assistant coach with colleges and stuff you see like a lot of girls will end up it's always usually one or two will end up leaving going back home either they just can't handle being away from their family or they just feel very uncomfortable and you know it's sad it sucks that you know you can't like pull them in and mm-hmm. be like it's okay you're fine we'll help <laughs> you but you know Sometimes people just need a little extra time before they can spread their wings. I guess. Sure, and there's
0: nothing wrong with that. Um, No, I think that that's, in a lot of ways, I think really like healthy and probably more common. You know that people might have like a period of time where they're like, I'm just not ready for this. And then they figure out a way to make themselves ready or they come back to the sport or um, there's all this developmental stuff. It's it's, uh, it's always very interesting to me when I see someone who has like thrived in that environment and has gone from like their freshman year to their senior year, like in a very linear, smooth, you know, fashion because I'm like wow you're an outlier because like I don't know how you've managed to do this because I there's so many things that get in the way of that happening (laughs) um so I'm curious because in your bio that you sent me you talked a little bit about how um you had started at school and then um something happened and you ended up not did you did
1: you end up losing your scholarship you said I ended up losing my scholarship um so I was on full ride and my junior year um I started like I guess going out more and kind of partying more and that became more of a priority to me than running did and Mm -hmm. I just had that fear of missing out that if I didn't go out at night that I would miss something or you know I'd be out of the loop or Mm -hmm. I wouldn't get to see that guy or whatever it was you know the silly things when you're like newly single and you're in a whole different country and you're living in Myrtle Beach, which is yeah. a huge party town. <laughs> yeah. that um, I just felt like, you know, more like partying and drinking kind of took over rather than my running and running took a back seat. And I actually was running pretty decent and I ended up getting in trouble. Um, I was driving a friend's car home one night and I got pulled over and ended up getting arrested for a DUAC which is driving with an unlawful alcohol content. So not quite a DUI, but I mean, almost the same thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, I was naive. I shouldn't have been driving. So please drink responsibly and get a (laughs) a designated driver or an Uber or something. Don't do what I did. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I was silly. I rolled through a stop sign, got pulled over, got arrested and went to jail for the night. Um, And I think I, I felt like I was a little bit used as an example because the next day my mugshot was on. The local newspaper and it was like a coastal carolina athlete was arrested for a duac uh, and yeah um and i had just ran at virginia tech the weekend before and won a 5k it wasn't anything crazy i didn't run like a super fast time but it was like a stepping stone for me mm-hmm. and then of course i was pulled out of going to conference for indoors and the team ended up losing by like one or two points or something um, for like the overall championship, and I felt really bad because you know if I would have been there, I could have ran three races, right? And I would have scored somewhere. And even after that, though, I kind of like, I was kind of mad that I was like not allowed to go to conference, and I was like, oh, you know, this is silly. They shouldn't be taking this out on me, even though now when I look back, they did the right thing. Um, and I just continued to party after that, and it was just a downward slope, I guess, for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So I ended up losing my scholarship and my parents were super angry. My mom told me, she's like, you either, either need to come home or you got to figure it out. And <sighs> I was too scared to go home. <sighs> so that's, oh yeah, I was like, when this, my semester ended, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I'm going to do here because I'm terrified to go home. Even though I know if I went home, you know, I would have just ended up getting a job or going to school in Ireland, but I was, at the time I was scared. So I ended up... um Getting a job at two different bars in Merle Beach, so I would bartend during the day, and then I would sell shots at Senior Frogs at night, like you know, the little, like little test tube shots, yeah. shots. Uh huh. So, and I continued to go ahead and party, and you know, I didn't think that I had a drinking problem at the time. I was like, okay, you know, I'm just whatever partying like everybody else is. And then one morning, I woke up and I was like vomiting blood, and I'm like, oh my god, I need to stop. Mm -hmm. it was just you know actually it wasn't just one morning that that happened it was a few mornings and i had gained a bunch of weight i wasn't running anymore um and i just woke up one morning and was like i can't keep doing this to myself um and then thankfully i ended up meeting my husband like a few months after that and Mm -hmm. i had i was like 140 pounds i think when i left like the whole running thing was partying and i ended up like getting fit right before i met my husband Um, and I had dropped like a lot of weight. I was down to 118, but it wasn't like running weight. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, like a healthy kind of a thing. It was more like my boyfriend at the time told me I was getting fat, which I wasn't, but (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, you know? Yeah. So I started taking like weight loss pills and stuff. And then I ended up, we ended up breaking up and I met my husband and he was a really good example for my life. Um, He kind of like encouraged me to start back running. And when we moved from North Carolina down to South Carolina, he's like, oh, you need to go back to school. I'm like, oh, great. Can I have your GI Bill? (laughs) He he was like, no. (laughs) no." He's like, you need to go talk to the coach. And this was like two years later, or Uh no, three years later after I'd left Coastal Carolina. Uh He's like, you need to go talk to the coach at the local school here and see if he'll give you a scholarship. And luckily for me, I walked in. And Coach Larry Kimball is the coach at you. Well, he was a coach at USC Buford when I went there, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I know exactly who you are." Oh, like, okay. <laughs> but he, he gave me my second chance, oh. so that I'm really
0: grateful for. <laughs> oh. that's a great that's a great. Um, I mean, not a great story because of the the down, the, you know, the things that you went through. But yeah, gosh, bless your husband. What a great. <laughs> I mean, like that is really, I think. Um, I always, I always am really inspired when I hear about situations in which like partners or couples are able to like help their significant other be better, um, and not just sort of like placate them, you know, or placate, that's the right word, um, you know, because I think like it would have been easy for your husband to be like, yeah, okay, like you can do this or whatever. But he obviously knows how important running is to you and how probably good you yeah. are at it. And so he was like, no, like I want you to, I want you to do this like for yourself.
1: Um, yeah. He really wanted me to finish my degree because I only had like maybe a year and a half left. And he's like, you need to finish your degree. That way, you know, you can have a good job, you know. Um, and he's like, why don't you just start back running? And I had started back running a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in our first year of marriage or so, because I was just like bartending and stuff, but I missed it. I started to miss it a lot. Right. And I wasn't, you know, back to where I was. It took a lot of time, but he definitely pushed me and really encouraged me to do it. Oh, that's fantastic. Good for him. Um, yeah. <laughs> what a good husband.
0: Um, So then you went on to become an All-American, right?
1: Yeah. So, um, I ran at USC Buford, which is an NAIA school. Um, mm-hmm. I had two cross countries left and indoor and I had an outdoor too. So I had a whole year and two indoors outdoors. So, um, at USC Buford, my first cross country race was like, oh my God, it was so embarrassing. So <laughs> I think I ran like 23 minute 5k or something. Um, and I just remember crying to coach and I was like, I'm so sorry. I'm embarrassing you and I'm embarrassing myself. And he was amazing. He was like, you know, you just started back running. Like, take your time. You'll be fine. And by the end of that cross-country season, I'd qualified for nationals. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it was amazing. I went from running, like, 23 minutes down to, like, 18-something at cross-country nationals. And I think I finished 60-something. I was just outside All-American for that. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up qualifying for indoor nationals in the 3,000 meters, but... They never sent me to nationals and then um for outdoors so naia has a marathon which is i think it's crazy i think they should do it as a half marathon
0: but wow. um <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness so, i had no idea that's yeah, interesting they have to a me marathon.
1: yeah so the thing is i wanted to qualify for the steeplechase because i was more of a steeplechaser like 5,000 meter runner i guess mm-hmm. i steeple too um, yeah, and I loved it, but I hit a barrier when I was at Coastal Carolina and kind of lost my nerve a little bit, but I still mm-hmm. figured, okay, you know, I'm going to try and qualify for the steeplechase, but I hit a barrier at conference, and I was like, okay, I never want to do this again. <laughs> I was cussing, and I was like, oh my God, I'm never doing this again. So coach had had us run um, a half marathon, my friend Melissa and I, and he was like, well, you guys are qualified for the marathon why don't you guys do that we were not prepared for a marathon we did like 114 miler and then we had to go to Gulf Shores in May for nationals and he's like okay here you go you're running a marathon and I had talked to my mom and I remember was like I think I'm going to drop out because <laughs> my friend Melissa was like, I'm just going to run 18 miles. So I was like, I think I'm going to drop out at 18 miles too. <laughs> and my parents were like, oh my God, you're so young to be running a marathon. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm like, well, I'll, I'll just drop out. It'll be fine. And I had a stress fracture that was healing itself too. So I was <gasps> like, you know, it's, it's whatever. But long story short, um, I started this marathon and by halfway I was in like, uh, I was in the top eight position, I think. Um, And I'm like, oh my God, I'm in an all American spot. And then by 20 miles, I was in fourth, ended up getting into third. And then I ended up finishing fourth in the end. Wow. So yeah, it was crazy. That's crazy. So (laughs) I remember remember finishing and I was, my feet were all bleeding and I was like, I'm never running another marathon again. And my coach was like, "Well, you're just qualified for Boston, so we'll get you ready for that in the, yeah. in the spring." <laughs> wow. So, what was your first? Uh, what was your first marathon time? Um, I ran three thirteen oh two or something like that. Wow. Three thirteen or yeah, it was three thirteen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you yeah. must have. You must have. I mean, I'm sure that it was super painful, but it's obvious that that's kind of a niche for you in terms of um, a strength. It sounds like yeah. you are a pretty natural marathoner.
1: Yeah, I would like, uh, well, I don't really know because I've ran a lot since and they've been hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> then I was like, I didn't want to run another one after that because I didn't run for like two months after that. <laughs> but when I trained for Boston, uh, my first Boston was a super, super awesome experience. It was 2014 and it was like pouring rain. But I love it because I'm from Ireland and I love right. that later. And it was just so awesome. It was such an amazing experience. And that's what really, really made me love the marathon. Um, just running with all those people. And I remember I was like crying my first mile at Boston because I was just so overwhelmed by how like amazing everybody is out there yeah. cheering and it's pouring rain. Yeah, Boston
0: is just so special. I went to Boston Man, I didn't miss a I didn't miss a Boston Marathon until I moved to Illinois <laughs> um, for grad school, and I was I tried to explain it to my boyfriend. I tried to say like like explain to him like just how special it is. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know what? Like we just need to go to one. And I was like, well, hopefully, I mean. Like, the hope is that I'll run one
1: at some point. Um, you will. <laughs> oh, my God. You can definitely do it, girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, we'll, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I just have to get – I just have to run a marathon. Like, I have to actually finish one. Um, you but finish. Your they, next one you're going to do, it. I know it. I hope so. Um, but they, they are um, – it's just such a great experience. And I'm sure for you, too – like, almost from, like, more of, like, a cultural perspective, I think there's something special about Boston if you're from Ireland.
1: Yeah, it was awesome, and I got to stay with my friends and their, like, Irish background, and they lived in Quincy Mm -hmm. at the time, and that's, like, the Irish part of Boston. Yeah. And it was really cool. It was awesome.
0: Yeah, it definitely kind of even feels, I think, in a lot of ways, like a little Ireland. I remember, um being in Galway and being like, this fe- feels a lot like Boston to me. Like, this yeah. is very, very similar.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. And especially with the accents. Like, I, I just love going to Boston because it just reminds me of home. It's like, yes, yeah. all these Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's so crazy. nice.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and I really think that those things go a long way in making us feel, like, good, po- like, mentally. Um, yeah. And I think it's so interesting, that connection, because it's like – When we feel good and when we feel like we have a community and when we feel, like, supported and part of something, we tend to perform better. And so it would make sense that, you know, for you, going and running a race in, like, weather that you felt familiar with, in, like, an environment that felt homey to you, that that would be – like a good experience and like probably the best place for you to run your best, you know?
1: Yeah. And absolutely. And it was, I ended up running like a 16 minute PR and breaking three hours. So it was definitely a, a mix of everything just brought me to the line and just crossing that Boston, that Boston finishing line is special in itself.
0: Oh, so you ran your second marathon and you ran a two, two hours and what, 57 minutes? 56? Yeah,
1: two hour 57,
0: yep. Okay. Um, nice. Did you see that quick math I did in my head? <laughs> yeah, look at you. That would have taken me half an hour. I went to grad. I, I'm in grad school for a reason. There you go, um, girl. Yeah. Um, I would have been so embarrassed if I was like super off. Um, but <laughs> totally hit or miss. But, um, so, I'm curious about your progression since then. So what is your current marathon PR?
1: My current marathon PR is 250 in Houston in 2016. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Um, And so what has your progression looked like between now and then? Because you said you've run some really hard marathons since then. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow.
1: So... (laughs) it's been Mm -hmm. all over the place. Yeah. Um, Well, I've heard that that's how
0: marathoning can be. Like, I've heard that, you know, you can be really, really fit, but sometimes it just doesn't go well.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I went into Boston last year extremely fit, like probably as fit as I've ever been until now. Um, And I really thought that I was going to hit the 245. And I went into the race like, I'm going to do it. I know I can do it. And I went through the half on target for 245. And I was still pretty close. I want to say like 246, maybe 247 true 30K. And I just fell apart in the last 10K. But it was super, super hot. My watch decided that it didn't want to work anymore, like 10 minutes before to start. And I was just freaking out. And it really broke my heart. And that was the second year in a row that Boston had broke my heart because Mm -hmm. the year before it was really hot too. And I just didn't have a good run there. Yeah, there were two years back to back that were really not great for running. Yeah, they were horrible. I'm not going to lie. They were just, <laughs> oh, soul crushing. <laughs> I
0: had someone on the podcast. Um, I don't know if you know, um, Sarah Mah- Mahani Mahani. Shoot. I don't want to say her last name because I said it. <laughs> I said it during the podcast and then, um, she was like, Oh, you actually pronounced it wrong. And I was like, Aww. Oh no. So, okay. It's either Sarah Mahani or Sarah Mahani, but. Uh, yeah. I wonder and, if
1: I have listened to that one. Because I do listen to a lot of your podcasts. I don't know if I've listened to that one or not. She's tritonal runner.
0: Um, and she's adorable. She's like tiny little tiny little human. Um she has like dark Aww. hair. Um she Yeah, she's great. Um, But she, she in her episode, she was really fit too. Also for last year, Um, and she had actually just won a marathon, like broke the tape, Um, and her race just didn't go the way that she planned for it. But it was like super heartbreaking for her because she was so fit, you know. And it was just like, oh, this is not an indicator of my fitness or how hard I trained.
1: That's, that's exactly how I felt too, because the next day my coach texts me, if the race would have been today, it would have been a whole different story. Mm -hmm. I'm like, of course, story of my life. (laughs) Well, I mean,
0: but the bright side of it is like, you're so, you're so young still in terms of marathoning. And, um, I think the more that I learn about the marathon in general, the more that I feel like. It's one of those things where sometimes you do get lucky and, you know, you don't run a ton of them before you, like, have a really awesome breakthrough. Like, some people just get really lucky and they run the time that they're fit to run um, right away, but I think that I- – I'm sure that you'll – I'm sure that you'll run it eventually if you keep at it.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Hopefully it happens this year. <laughs> yeah, I hope so too. Yeah. Um, But I feel like Houston was a pretty good race for me. Um, I was actually self-coached for Houston. Mm -hmm. And it just, everything just clicked on the day. And I never, I ran one 20-miler going into it. But I did a 20-miler with um, 10 miles in the middle at marathon pace. And I really think that's what got me there. But of course, Houston, it just worked that I, you know, fueled perfectly every 5K and got my water, got my Gatorade, um, which is what was on the course at the time. And it was just perfect weather. I guess a little like Houston this year. Okay. So for
0: you, um, the fueling thing is really important.
1: Yeah. um, Oh, yeah, definitely. Because I've struggled a lot with GI issues. Mm -hmm. So, um, And actually, I ran off the course at Outer Banks Marathon like a year and a half ago. I ran off the course at 22 miles because... I really needed to go to the bat- <laughs> bathroom, and there was nothing nowhere. <laughs> um, and it was because, I guess, my fueling wasn't great, and the goos that I was using or the gels that I was using, they just went straight through me. Like, my mm-hmm. body just didn't process it. It just sent it straight out. Ugh. So right now I'm using Generation UCAN, and it's actually been a game changer for me. Uh-huh. I really haven't had any GI issues with it, and I feel strong throughout, like I've used in all my half marathons and my workouts, and I feel really good about it. That's really interesting to hear.
0: I've been telling myself that I need to look into that um, forever, and I just haven't pulled the trigger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, oh, my God, you absolutely should. Um, I'm really excited to use it for my marathon. Um, Well, if
0: it's a game changer, I mean, it's just so interesting how sometimes all it takes is one little thing, you know, to change, and then it clicks.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Do you have celiacs? I have never been tested for it. I don't know if I do or not. I don't think that I do. Okay. Um, I was just I curious
0: sh- because of the um, of the genetic link. Like, um, there's a really high Whoa. percentage of people with celiacs um, are have an Irish background.
1: Oh, you know, I should probably look into that. I wonder what, like, what are other symptoms of having celiac?
0: So, okay, so I, my mom is Irish, um, and. So and, – and she has – she's sensitive to gluten, but um, I found out that I had celiacs when I was 22 years old. Like, it took me till then oh, wow. to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the reason why it took me so long was because I was kind of – like, my symptoms weren't typical of what you normally hear. So – I heard celiacs, and I I would think to myself that, like, a person with celiacs, like, is, like, super, super, super sick and isn't really able to keep anything down and, like, throws up after they eat gluten and, like, can't get out of bed. Like, I had this very extreme idea of it, but then – so I was really struggling, though, and I was really fit, but it was – it's and celiacs is one of those things that tends to get worse as you age because your body – like, just keeps losing the ability to deal with this thing that you're eating that you're allergic to. Yeah. Um, and so I was so – I was, you know, running so – I was so fit, but I was having these just bizarre episodes of just, like, my blood sugar just plummeting. So they thought that I had type 1, like, diabetes or something like yeah. that Um. because I was testing – I had to test my blood sugar because it was going into, like, the 30s and the 40s, which is – like insanely low. Yeah, um, really low. yeah. And then I was, I ha- I was getting stress fractures all the time. Um, oh. and just sick a lot too. And it was just this big mystery and we really couldn't figure it out. And then I moved to Illinois for graduate school and switched doctors. And I think it was that fresh perspective that changed things and like made the doctor say like, why don't we just test you Check for seal- Yeah. Um, and so they tested me and I did all the blood work and the colonoscopy and all that stuff. And like, I have celiacs. Um, but it was just crazy to me then, like, thinking back and being like, oh, I guess, so I guess I, I attributed a lot of my digestive issues to being a runner. So, yeah. like, I was like, oh, well, I mean, yeah, like sometimes after workouts, everything runs through me for like oh, a yeah. solid 24 <laughs> hours, but that's yep. normal, right? Like that's every runner. But then the more that I like reflected on it and was that like – because then I started talking to people because I was like, oh, like clearly there was something wrong and I didn't realize it. So I need to be – like aware of this and so I started talking to people and they were like yeah like that's not normal like that's not normally how we feel or like we don't eat pasta (laughs) and like get so bloated that we look like we're eight months pregnant like that's actually not normal and I was like oh interesting so I think that symptoms can look different for everybody you know
1: yeah, definitely. And it's funny that you're saying that because I actually started eating more white rice than pasta because I used to have like these huge food babies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, let me not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I found that the rice is working better for me than pasta is. So, you know, I'm going to go and get into that. Get tested. Yeah.
0: Well, I definitely um, am. A very well known runner, um, Stephanie uh, Bruce, she has celiacs. Yeah. And she also didn't find out until she was in her 20s. Um, Yeah,
1: I just listened to that podcast. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, It was awesome. Oh, thanks. (laughs) I was so nervous. I always get so nervous to talk to all my guests because I'm just like, I don't know, like, I just, it's exciting to me to talk to... I just get excited to talk to everybody, and I'm like, oh, I hope I this goes well. And then, Aww. especially if it's like a runner who I'm like, oh, they're so fast. It's like like
1: fangirl moment. Oh, totally. And it's just so like
0: I'm. I need to get better at it, but
1: um, no, you're doing great. I think you're awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Um,
0: but yeah, d- d- get your, get yourself tested. It's worth it.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely going to do that because one of my friends is kind of um, she's a nurse practitioner, and she's kind of just like taken over my whole iron thing and she's been amazing she's been such a help for me so I'm going to question her about it yeah sure. just see
0: what she thinks um and because I mean that could also be a huge game changer because yeah I mean th- it was for me I know that as soon as I figured that out I was like oh my gosh like this is what it feels like to feel normal um, yeah
1: because I could definitely do without those GI issues oh my gosh yeah yeah <laughs>
0: Oh, it was just insane. And just like all these little things that I didn't even realize were attributed. Like, um, I have really bad anxiety and I always have. And, um, yeah. just a pretty anxious person, but, um, that was something that got way better. And it's actually like, there's like a medical scientific reason for why people with celiacs, have higher levels of anxiety when they're eating gluten because it's like an autoimmune response. And yeah, um, our gut, like our gut microbiome um, so heavily influences like our mood. And so all of those things are related, which I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is just a whole new world.
1: <laughs> and that actually kind of makes a lot of sense for me because there's just so many light bulbs going off in my head right now because <laughs> I had the worst anxiety growing up. Um, like, I used to have to drink herbal tea and, like, mm. all these things. When I, Especially when I was racing as a kid, I would be so nervous before a race that I would throw up on the line and the gun would go off. Oh, um, Yeah, I used to be really bad. And I still get anxiety every now and again. Like, I'll be at work and my heart will just start racing, like, for no reason. And I just have that feeling, like, something, you know. Yeah, And then, that... of course, I already have an autoimmune disease, so I wonder if it's all linked up, you know. Yes.
0: Well... So let's talk about that because um I know that you had said that you felt willing to share about about some of that. I know it's not something that you have talked about very openly before. Um so is that something that you are comfortable talking about? Yeah, definitely. Okay, awesome. I'm
1: ready to talk about it. (laughs)
0: Okay. Well, um I'll let you I'll let you
1: take it away. Okay, so um, I have alopecia universalis, which is basically um, hair loss of the complete body. So I don't have hair on my head. I have a wig. All my hair fell out when I was 12. Um, My eyebrows come and go all the time. My eyelashes come and go all the time. And I never have to shave my legs, which is really (laughs) awesome.
0: (laughs) Silver linings.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a silver lining to it. And, you know, I get to buy a wig every couple of months or like every like once a year, really. Um, so I don't have to go to the hairdresser and get my hair cut or mm-hmm. get my hair dyed or anything like that. So, yeah, I mean, it's got its upsides to it. <laughs> um, so
0: tell me a little bit about what that diagnosis actually means, because I, I mean, I'm guessing it has, it's more than just hair loss. Like, I'm sure that there are other things that you're impacted, that are impacted so, by it.
1: I haven't let it really impact me that much. I mean, I think because it started, like, it happened to me at such a young age that, like, growing up, like, it was just a thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And nobody ever really said anything to me about when I was growing up. Like, every now and again, somebody would be like, oh, my God, is that girl sick or whatever. But, I mean, basically what alopecia is, it's – so my autoimmune system, like, attacks my hair follicles, basically, and just – sees them as a pathogen and just kills them. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like my white blood cells just take over and any of the like oxygen-carrying cells that go to my hair follicles, it just kills them. That's the definition that I was kind of always told growing up. Um, They say it's not um, hereditary, but it could be kind of like, I don't know um, how to really explain it somehow linked or correlated. Yeah, like there some... could be a link. Like you're, you are, you can be predisposed to, like predisposed to it, um, that makes but sense. it's not, nec- yeah, it's not necessarily hereditary. So if somebody has an autoimmune disease or even like the doctors told me growing up, they asked if anybody was diabetic in my family. And I do have an aunt that's diabetic. He's like, okay, so it, you know, it may, there's something in your family that's causing those autoimmune responses. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nobody in my family that I'm aware of that has alopecia. Um, but then it's also triggered by an environmental stress. Mm-hmm. So it could be like trauma or like a, another illness um, or like, like anxiety, which I have a lot of our mm-hmm. had It's not as bad now that I'm more getting older, but it was bad when I was a kid, but I did have like, um, like a serious scare when I was like around that age when my hair started falling out. So I ride horses too. Mm -hmm. And we were out fox hunting and the pony I was riding was crazy. And she just decided, you know, to jump right off of this. We'll call it a cliff because that's pretty much what it is. It was the side of a glen. And I landed into a river and like went head over heels and someone had to jump in and save me. And then like, I would say like a few months after that, um, my hair started falling out. So I think that was the environmental stress that it was just such a shock to my system that my body just turned on this autoimmune response to it, I guess. Oh, that makes perfect
0: sense. Um, Yeah. I mean, actually, this is something that I I can speak about. Um, I I am very, like my area of study, I focus a lot on trauma. Um, Yeah. Whether it's complex or um, something that's more like, PTSD so um yeah that that experience that you had was traumatic (laughs) um it was I was so scared
1: like after like when I would ride like my pony or whatever or other ones I would be like oh my god I don't want to go that way because I was so scared it was going to happen again
0: right and the body the body it's fascinating how the body responds to trauma um especially when you're a young person and and you don't have a lot of worldly experience to um make connections with. So the experience feels so like there's like so much more magnitude, I think, to scary things that happen to us when we're little, because oftentimes, you know, it might be the first time that we've ever experienced something like that. Um, And the trauma response is, it's full body. And I mean, there are so many different things that can be impacted. And one of the biggest things is actually our immune systems, um, and so that actually makes perfect sense. That that was all sort of related. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes that that's very. Um, oh my gosh, my dog's in the front yard. I don't know how he just got out. Hold on, I just <laughs> okay. have to go get him. He jumps You're the fine. fence. Take your oh time. my god, I'll be right back. Okay. <sighs> all right, everyone. We thought about cutting this part out, but then decided, hey, it's real life. And sometimes my dogs are the worst. This is a podcast that's supposed to be real, and I'm not trying to fool anyone into thinking I have it all under control. In fact, you could probably hear my dog barking her squeaky toy just now. (laughs) Thank you to Joy for being so understanding about my little hooligans. All right, guys, back to the show. Did you get him? (laughs) Oh my gosh, yes. But I am just like flabbergasted right now because that damn dog. I can't believe he jumped (laughs) the fence. So he's a border collie and he, oh. I knew, I knew that I shouldn't have worked on him with like agility work because he's just like a little, takes like advantage, ninja. Yeah. And well, I, I almost feel like he did it because he was wanting to get my attention. Yeah. That's <laughs> he, what they do. Yeah. That's he's done it. Do. Be, he's done it before, but it's only been when he's been like, mom, I want you to like, let me in or like, I want you to pay attention to me.
1: Oh, yeah. Brat.
0: All right. Anyways, I'm so sorry <laughs> about that.
1: Oh, you're fine. It's fine. I totally understand. Trust me.
0: (laughs) Um, Well, so, um, so you, the, you started noticing your hair loss. So talk to me a little bit about what that looked like, like what you started like noticing and then the diagnosis, um, and kind of what that experience was like, because I mean, 12 years old is pretty or 10 or 12, 12. Yeah. I mean, like that is still... 12,
1: 13. I'm sure it was hard for you. Yeah. Um, it was so long ago now that, you know, I, yeah, it was hard. I do remember it being kind of hard. Um, so what basically started happening was I started getting, like, ball patches. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we were like, what in the world? You know, at first we didn't really think a whole lot of it. Like, oh, you know, maybe something rubbed on me or, you know, my hair is falling out there. And then more and more came cuz I used to ride horses so we thought maybe the helmet was rubbing on my head or mm-hmm. I would always wear a hat cuz it's cold and I'm a little bit of a tomboy anyway so you know we're like okay you know let's back off from doing that mm-hmm. and then just more and more would fall out till eventually like there was none left pretty much for the most part and I remember that I had like I had super super long hair mm-hmm. and I remember that I was like holding on to this like little bit of a ponytail that I had left and I used to wear bandanas all the time oh. And my mom eventually was like, you know, we need to, like, just cut that. Like, we need to get rid of it. And it, that was hard. I mean, emotionally it was. And being that young. So eventually um, I just started running. I didn't wear a wig at first at all. I just had bandanas, and that's all I wore all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of my friends, like, throughout high school, I want to say my later years in high school, was like, let's get you a wig. <laughs> and that's when I started with the wigs. But as far as, like, diagnosis and stuff, um, when we first – because it's not very, very common. um, I've started to notice it more now as the years have gone on. I'll, like, notice people. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm like, oh, you know, that person, that's definitely alopecia. Because you can – sometimes you can tell, like, the difference. For me, I can tell the difference Uh between somebody that might be, you know, say has cancer or something. And somebody that has alopecia. You know, there's a lot of times you can – you might be able to tell. Yeah. Yeah. but as far as the diagnosis, we went to our doctor and he was like, oh, wow, I have no idea. I want to say that they did blood tests and stuff. And when I went to, like, the hospital in the city near where we lived, they were like, oh, we got to test this for, like, this crazy African disease, this, that, and the <laughs> other. And it was just a little ridiculous, you know. Yeah. Um, And eventually somebody was like, oh, you have alopecia, like, and explained what it was. And we we're like, okay, great. Now we know what it is. Well, can we fix it? And there isn't actually any cure for it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've been looking into it, like, since I've moved over here, and the FDA hasn't approved anything. But when I was growing up back home in Ireland, they wanted to give me steroid injections Mm -hmm. into, like, my scalp area. And the doctor was like, oh, so it's going to be painful, and, you know, it shortens your lifespan. And what the actual injection is is a retroprotein. So Mm -hmm. being an athlete that's, like, you know, good at running and, that's not something that I'm willing to, to do. You sure. know? And even, even now, as I grow older, I know that I I can get it medically, but I'm just such a clean sport advocate that I would rather be bald and not have hair than to cheat pretty mm-hmm. much, you know, even though I could use it for a medical reason, but I think that's just taking advantage, you know? Well, and I
0: mean, I think that it also, I, th- I don't, I mean, you know, I don't think that anyone would fault you if you wanted to do that, but I also think that, it comes down to like your priorities. So if you're comfortable with, you know, getting your wig and doing that kind of thing, then yeah, you know, there's no, I don't see any reason to change it, but I mean, maybe something might change at some point and you'll be like, well, it is important to me that, you know, try this, but I get what you're saying.
1: Yeah. I just feel like, you know, I don't want my lifespan shortened or, you know, I don't know what a protein is going to do to like my reproductive system and all that. Like I want to have kids eventually and I don't want, you know, anything to be happening to them or anything like that. Right. And I just, it wasn't something like, even when they said it, I was like, uh, no, I think I'm good on that. Yeah. Like it just I didn't mean,
0: ring. It didn't just didn't feel like something that was worth it.
1: No. And we tried like a couple of different things. We went to see like different people and my hair grew back. And then it would fall out again. And then we found a guy, and his name was the Baldy Barber. And he had, like, it was almost like an iodine um, solution type thing. And we would put it all over my head, and it was, like, super greasy. So I would have to do it at night before I would go to sleep and then put a bandana on. And that actually worked the best. Like, all my hair grew back, and it was, like, super cute. And it grew, like, two or three inches, like, completely over my head. And then all of a sudden, it just all fell out again. That's interesting.
0: Yeah. The Baldy Barber?
1: The baldy barber, and he didn't have any hair. I don't know why he didn't use his magic potion on himself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a really cute name. I wonder what was in it. Yeah, there was definitely iodine in it. Yeah. I, I don't know what the other stuff was, and I don't know. Eventually, when my hair just all fell out, you know, I was just like, you know, whatever. You know, I'm done trying the disappointment of it just happening. And we were just like, oh, maybe it'll grow back eventually, so... You know, it was probably – I was probably like 14 or 15 the last time it fell out, and I'm 30 now. So 15 years have gone by, and I haven't bothered to – I've just wore – like, I've worn a wig probably since I've been about 16, I think.
0: Okay. So talk to me a little bit about what that's like, though, as a woman, though. Because, I mean, you know, I'm sure that you're beautiful without your wig, but what – I'm sure that you've also experienced some – body image stuff, um, in relation to yeah. that, mostly just because of the emphasis that our society places on, um, I think women's hair. And you said this actually in your bio yeah. about how women's hair is a very big sign of like femininity. And, um, yeah. a lot of women are even scared to cut their hair short because they don't want to
1: take away that. You they know. don't want to take away from it. Yeah. Um, I think like over the years I was super, super insecure about it. Um, and I mean, I still... I'll probably have a little bit of insecurities about it because obviously I haven't been strong enough just yet to, like, take my wig off and say, you know, screw it. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think it's going to happen this year because it's just so hot in South Carolina and I just can't train with it anymore. Yeah. It's just too much. It holds in the heat too much. But, um, you know, it has been hard because you you look in the mirror and you're like, gosh, like, I wonder, you know, if people know. Like, that was my thing like kind of true college. Like, I feel like a lot of people did know, but didn't say anything, Mm -hmm. but like just going out at night, like, Oh my God, this is not sitting right on my head. It doesn't look right. It looks super fake. Like Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's sometimes it's hard. And I even still have those things. I yell at my husband. I'm like, I look ridiculous. This (laughs) looks so bad on me. And he's like, no, you look fine. Like you're fine. You're beautiful the way you are. Like, and I'm just like, Oh my God. But I mean, having a wig it's they just don't it doesn't style like real hair would you know what I mean yeah and I'm sure it doesn't feel like
0: it like it probably feels like a a, like a thing that's on you
1: (laughs) yeah it does it just feels like a hat to be honest about it um and the one like the one that I run in is synthetic hair so it like I guess it holds it in and my regular one is human hair so that the human hair one feels a little more realistic but it's super dry looking like and it's not that it's not, it's not that hard to style, but it just doesn't sit right. And it gets super frizzy and it's super frustrating. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and
0: it's not yours, you know, yeah, like it's, not. it's, and that, I don't know. I mean, I just, I think that that's also probably part of it. Like I, I try, like, I'm trying to think about what that would feel like. And I think I would just feel like I would be like, this isn't mine. Like this doesn't feel authentic to me.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of how it is. But now that I've worn one for years, it's kind of like, okay, well, I'm used to it now. This is my daily life, pretty much. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So tell me this. Do you think that you wear your wig? I mean, at this point, like you said, it's part of just, like, your daily life, probably your daily routine. Um, yeah. But do you think that you wear it more for you or for other people? So Because, that... I mean, I think that sometimes there's a fear that you're going to make other people uncomfortable or maybe someone's going to like be like, what's, what's wrong? Like what happened? Or, um, do you think it's, which do you think it's more of or maybe a little of both?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I think that, you know, this is really my first time really coming out and ever talking about it, that now a lot of people are going to hear this. And, um, you know, there's like my friends, I can talk no problem about it. Like, The other day I was in the car with Shawana and I was actually swapping out the hair that I was running into my regular hair and I was like you want to see how I look without my hair and she's like oh you look normal I'm like okay well thanks girl (laughs) but I think it's like a little bit about like that I just haven't become ready to be like oh hey look this is me I don't have any hair on my head Mm -hmm. um but also that I don't want people to feel sorry for me Mm -hmm. I don't want people to be like oh my god that girl has no hair like I wonder if like she's sick or there's something wrong with her like is she, does she, is she does she have cancer like what's going on you know mm-hmm. and I don't want people to look at me like that because I'm I'm fine I'm healthy you know right. I run I run like 60 70 miles a week I run marathons <laughs> Yeah I'm doing just fine
0: <laughs> Yeah well and I mean no one wants to be pitied um
1: Yeah and I I really don't want that
0: Yeah it's not a good feeling and I'm sure part of it is just the, you know, sometimes you just don't want to deal with the, the questions. And I think that, so like, it's probably easier for you to just be like, I'm just gonna wear my wig because, you know, when I, if I did decide to just like go out without it, I would definitely have a very different day, you
1: know, probably one that involved
0: answering a lot of questions that I might not want to answer.
1: (laughs) Definitely. And I just feel like, You know, like I talked to my mom a little bit about it and she's like, yeah, you know, like people are going to stare at you. It's definitely going to be different. And I mean, yeah, it is. But I think I think it would make it a a little bit different for me if I was African-American and not Caucasian. And I talked to Shawana about this a little bit the other day because um, I feel like black ladies are like they're oh they're so secure about themselves. Like they just shave their hair off and they're like, whatever, you know, I'll just get a weave or whatever. But for a white lady to do that, like, people look at her different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think like, it's as
0: culturally – it's not as culturally accepted.
1: No, it's not culturally accepted at all, I feel like. And right. Un, unless they, like, think you're sick or something. Yeah. And it's, it just sucks because that's not the case, you know? Right.
0: That's an interesting point, actually, because they – because I think – so I've, I've heard it from – I've, I've actually heard the conversation surrounding women's hair and cultural differences a lot. Like, it's something that is talked about. Um, and it's something that, like, my – because I'm in graduate school for social work, and it's something that my cohort has even discussed um, because there's differences between a, a person – like, a, a like colored person's hair and a white person's hair. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's differences between, like, someone who's Hispanic and someone who's black. Um, And so we've talked about that before and how, like, some black women do actually feel insecure about, like, the texture of their hair or um, wearing it in a way that's more culturally authentic. Um, But I think it's an interesting point that you bring up that – and I've actually never thought about that – that there are – you do see black women in the, like, in the black community who have no issues shaving their hair, their head, and I mean, it, it I think it looks beautiful, Um, but, and it's, it's, like, accepted, and so someone wouldn't ask questions, like, someone wouldn't just automatically assume that that woman had cancer, right? But if it's a white woman, that would be the assumption. So that's a very, very interesting point, and I've never thought about that, it, from that perspective. Um, Yeah. And that's, that's, Interesting that you were talking to Shawana about that. What did she say about it?
1: Um, She kind of was – well, she went back to, like, the whole cultural thing because I feel like African-American women, they put weaves in. They change out their hair all the time. And a lot of times she was like, well, they probably maybe messed it up. So they're like, okay, I'm just going to buzz it and, you know, start all over again. Oh, that's interesting that she was like, yeah. oh, it's probably
0: for this reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so – you you said that you're you're thinking this year that you might just kind of try to start going around it.
1: Yeah, um, I think that I'm going to just because trading in South Carolina, it's always hot, and I know that it's going to get up into. Already, it's like I'm sitting outside today, and it's probably like seventy five, eighty outside right now. It's it's beautiful, mm-hmm. but it just gets so hot and. The way that my hair, like the hair that I use is set up, it's like a monofilament layer and the um the hair strands are like hand tied into it, but it just holds all the heat in. So when I start to sweat on my head, the air, like the heat doesn't go out. It just turns into water and just, or sweat and just drips like down by my ears or down like the back of my neck. So it doesn't evaporate anywhere. It's just stuck there Yeah. and it just makes me overheat and... I've been at the track a couple of times, like later in the evening at night when it gets kind of dark and I'm just hot and I've just pulled it off and it feels so good. (laughs) Just the air, but I have to be really careful because I don't want to get sunburned. So I'm just going to have to slowly start doing it. But I think, you know, if I qualify for the trials or it might even happen before it, that I'm just going to say, screw it. And it's going to come off because I want to make women feel secure about themselves I know that there's, there's other women out there that are probably battling the same thing as I am and they just feel so insecure about it, but I don't want them to feel that way. I want them to know that you're beautiful in your own body and your own skin, whether you have hair or not, Mm -hmm. and that you shouldn't feel, you know, that you have to be hiding behind something.
0: Right. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that if you want to wear a wig, then that's fine but I also think that no one should feel like they have to do that for some sort of like societal code. Um, and I mean, I definitely think that there should be more awareness surrounding the various reasons why a woman might not have hair on her head. And it's not just because she's sick or because, or even because she has something like alopecia. It could be because she wants to have her head shaved.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many ladies out there, um, that, you know, a friend of theirs has cancer and they're like, okay, I'm going to shave my head just to, you know, be with you. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, you see a lot of people do when they find not like for the children cancer and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to shave my head. So, you know, these kids feel like they're normal almost. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Which they are normal. It's just, they don't have (laughs) any hair. (laughs) Right. And
0: I think that the more people who are willing to let go of that symbol, you know, cause I think it really is like a symbol type of thing. And I think that, um, it, it's natural to have an attachment to something like our hair or, yeah. um, you know, cause it's part of us. So in a lot of ways it's kind of, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's on the same level as like your hand or your foot, but it is a part yeah. of you. And so I think it's natural to have some feelings of like reservation, to be like, oh, I'm going to get rid of this thing. But I think the more people who are willing to let go and break that attachment and just say, hey, like I, I don't need to be attached to my hair. Like my hair doesn't make me a woman or my hair doesn't, make yeah, it doesn't me define right. who you are. Right. Or my yeah. hair doesn't make me beautiful. Right. Like, yeah, it, it, that's not anything that is it, it's not like a real thing um, in terms of like what beauty really is. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that would be, I mean, I'll be fully behind you whenever you decide to, (laughs) whenever you decide to do it, but. Man, I Thank can imagine you. that taking off that wig probably feels like that feeling of like taking your bra off at the end of the day, but like to a yeah. whole other level.
1: <laughs> Especially when it's hot outside. Yes.
0: I'm just imagining because I'm like, oh man, like I in the summertime I just can't wait to take my bra off. But I bet it's just like,
1: oh. <laughs> I'm just gonna just go and pull my hair off. And it's funny because actually during my workout, it got really, really hot last Sunday during my workout. And I was like, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to pull this thing off and just throw it on the side of the road and come back and get it later. And I didn't end up doing it. But, you know, I think it might even happen in my marathon this year. I'm going to run um, Vermont City and that's where I'm going to try and qualify for the trials. And if it's hot, I'm getting rid of this thing. I'm just, you know, I'm not holding back with it. But I think it'll definitely happen if I do qualify for the trials because I want people to know that I am healthy and that I am strong. And... Just don't feel bad for me just because I don't have hair. Like, it's not a big deal, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess it is a little bit of a big deal, but not anything crazy.
0: No, and it's definitely not something that should be defining. I mean, I think that um, your autoimmune disease and all of those things, it's a part of who you are, but it's yeah. not something that should be anything that anybody uses to define you as, like, a runner or your, like, abilities or your strengths. Um you should make like a t-shirt, like t-shirts or something. Like, and that way when you do it, like the t-shirt can say something silly, like, you know, what are you looking at? I just have alopecia.
1: <laughs> yeah. I should do something like that. You know, cause that I mean, then smart. yeah,
0: it would like stop people in their tracks and then they wouldn't ask the question, but it would be a way of like explaining it without actually having to explain without it without
1: having to talk to people. <laughs> uh
0: huh. And then and then other people could get them too, like other women or girls who are inspired could be like, I want, I want a T-shirt too.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. That.
0: Yeah. I mean, I can totally see it. Totally see it <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> um. Well, so. Um, you're planning, you're you're hoping to qualify for the trials this year, um, yeah. and that, when is your goal race?
1: So my goal race is uh, Vermont City Marathon, which is Memorial Day weekend in Burlington, Vermont.
0: Okay. Have you ever been to Burlington, Vermont?
1: No, I have not, but I'm excited. I hear it's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. My brother goes to school um, in Burlington.
1: He's oh, at, cool. So.
0: Yeah, he's at UVM. Um nice. Yeah, he's a little little nerd. Um no, he's not a little nerd. He's not little at all actually, but <laughs> <laughs> he's he uh he studies um chemistry and botany. So, um Oh wow. yeah, he's really smart and yeah. he's all about like different plants and he actually sent us a picture of like some like plant spore under a microscope. Um the other day like in our family group text message and he was like isn't it beautiful and I was like you're what is you're that? just my nerdy <laughs> little brother you're so cute
1: oh <laughs> that's cool though yeah
0: but yeah Burlington Vermont is beautiful um and so Memorial Day weekend that's in May
1: May yeah okay. in the May I think this yeah it's probably the last weekend of May or maybe the second last weekend of May Okay. So I'm hoping it's going to be cool in Vermont. They said 50s for the race start. It'll be beautiful.
0: <laughs> it will. It should be beautiful. Um, Vermont is typically like very, very nice weather. Um, yeah. So you should join me. You should get yeah. Ready for it. I'm actually like thinking because that, that's actually why I asked because I was like, hmm, that's really close to home, and I love Vermont, and I would be able yeah. to school. So maybe if everything goes well in my marathon in April, maybe I could just like bounce back and do another one.
1: You could. There you go. Hopefully you recover really good.
0: I know. And I'm going to try this generation you can, so maybe it'll be a like, game changer for me.
1: <laughs> yes. And um, speaking of your blood sugar, you were saying that your blood sugar would dip really low. Um, generation you can keeps a stable blood sugar throughout, oh, so you never have to worry about it.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I it think helps
0: keep it stable. I need to, I definitely need to look into that. Um yeah. Well, so okay, so hopefully um you qualify and then talk to me a little bit about what that might look like in terms of like maybe running and representing your country um
1: in Tokyo. So, um running just a sub 2:45 probably won't be good enough to get me on the Irish team because some of the Irish women are super super speedy and they're mm-hmm. getting faster. So realistically I'm going to have to try and run sub 236 which I think is the A standard for Ireland. Um so it's it's definitely going to be hard. Um I'm hoping that maybe if I can hit somewhere I'm right now I'm going to try and train for the A standard so I can hopefully fall somewhere in between the A and the B standard. Um if I can hit 242 243 that would be great. If I hit 244 58 that would be perfect too. Mm-hmm. Um But maybe then I can quit my day job and possibly run for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm currently sponsored by Skechers, but I kind of want to get in with, like, a running team, like a professional group. Mm -hmm. um, And just try my hand at that because I definitely think I do have some talent in there. um, And I've been running really well off low mileage. So I think if I can stay healthy and ramp up my mileage and, you know, get my anemia out of the picture and run with a team that I definitely think 2.36 or faster is within my grasp, for sure.
0: Oh, yeah. And I think that
1: your um,
0: willingness to dream big like that is awesome. Because, I mean, yeah. why not?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Definitely. And I, I think that, you know, working on my feet all the time and, like, crazy hours is just killing my running right now. Oh, yeah. But um, And everyone's like, why don't you get a different job where you're not on your feet? Well... Different job doesn't pay the cash money that I make yeah. at the job that I'm at, and I do love it, and I love yeah. the people that I meet and the people I work with. So it's really hard for me to walk away from the bar when you know I can walk away with anywhere between two and four hundred dollars in one night. Yep, and I remember that. It's hard that. to leave that.
0: Yeah, I was a, I was a server all through undergrad. Um, I worked at a fine dining restaurant, but um, it was like probably. I mean, it was it was fantastic money, and I. Yeah. Was, I mean, my coach hated it. I actually, I, my coach won't listen to this, but I actually <laughs> would, I would actually tell him during seasons that I wasn't working, Oh,
1: but I, and I,
0: but I was, but I was like, I yeah. can't quit this job. I was like, I can't quit this job. There's no way. And I would be, you know, on my feet. I would actually get home from like cross country meets and then shower go to work. and go to work. Um, um, And I mean, it totally, like, I know, I, I know what you mean. Like the amount of exhaustion that comes from standing for, like you said, like sometimes 10 hours at a time is, yeah, it's it's legit.
1: (laughs) It's hard. It's really hard. And like the other day, it was funny. It was Wednesday and I just worked day shift on Wednesday. So like 11 to five. Um, and I had to go to the track after, when I got to the track, I checked my steps and I had already walked. I posted on Instagram. I think it was 4.3 miles. Uh I posted on my stories. And by the time I got home, I'd taken my ice bat or, yeah, my ice bat and ate. I was already at 16 miles for the day. And I only ran 10 at the track. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. I I actually did something like that once, too, because I was curious. I was
0: like, how much do I walk in a night? Uh, Yeah. And I was like, wow, this is definitely kind of putting me at a disadvantage. Because then I was thinking about the other girls that I was running against and, you know, like, just – the I know I know what's ideal for training um and I was like I'm not doing any of that like I'm not like putting my feet up as much as I should I'm not getting off of and and also too so many uh, so many times that I would run like really hard workouts and then have to go into work which is like not
1: good (laughs) yeah that's how I feel too like some mornings I'll get up and I'll do my runs or whatever and then I'll go to work and then I'm like dying And then, like a lot of times, I like to run more in the evening after work because I'll just drink coffee and then I'll be like zooming (laughs) to go. But and sometimes I hit really good workouts. But I wonder how fast my workouts would be if I didn't just walk like an average of like three or four miles a day on my feet at work. Right, it just makes you wonder. Yeah, and recovered like and got sleep because I probably worked the night before and had to get up and open the next morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I mean you're so right. The
0: money thing makes it difficult because it does. I mean, depending on, and, and also it, it does allow flexibility. Like there is some flexibility yeah. in having that kind of a um, a job because you know it kind of frees up your days a little bit more, and um, it's just not a nine to five. So there's no.
1: Just, And it's good because the people that own the bar that I work at, um, it's called Luther's Rare and Well Done in Buford, and they're just so awesome. Like, I don't work a lot of weekends anymore because or Friday nights because they know that I'm racing and they're Mm -hmm. really supportive of me. And they're like, "Oh my God, you're gonna make it to Tokyo! I know it!" (laughs) And I love that, you know. And they, um, Mr. Ron paid for me to go to Boston the last three years, and I mean, Boston entry fee is expensive. He's like, "Oh, I got it, honey. I'll pay for it." (laughs) And they're so supportive of me, so it's really really hard for me to walk away from somebody who I almost consider my family. They pretty much are family to me, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, and you need that support. I mean, that's important. It's it's very important. Um, It is. Well, so what would be, like, would you want to move um, in terms of finding a training environment?
1: Um, Definitely. I want to get out of South Carolina so Mm -hmm. bad. Um, (laughs) Or even just up to upstate, like South Carolina, where it's a little cooler by the mountains. Yeah, um, My husbands uh, he's going to school right now, and he's got his heart set on mechanical engineering at Clemson. Okay. So um, we may possibly move up there. I am really trying to get him to apply to Boulder, too. Mm. <laughs> um, but we're going to kind of look into it and see, like, towards May, after I run my marathon, and see where I'm at in terms of, like, what team can I possibly get on with the times that we'll have at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, and we'll try and work it out from there. We're going to try and work out a happy medium where we're both happy and he can, you know, work on getting his degree and then I can maybe work on being a professional runner. (laughs) (laughs) But I also know, you know, I'm 30 already and I know they all, they want the college girls that are just graduating, but I don't know, maybe an incentive that I'm an Irish athlete might bring some of them in. Yeah. Put me on that Irish team. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And I mean don't, I definitely, I definitely think that it's really important to just not let those things like weigh on you too much, you know, like, yeah, there's that, like, that's true. There are a lot of people graduating from college and that kind of thing. But I mean, if it's what you're passionate about and it's what your dream is, then I think that it's great that you're going after it, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I'm definitely going to give it my best shot and, you know, I think that I'll still be running for a long, long time, so I'm definitely, I'm not going to give up even if I don't get on with the team. I'm still going to train my little booty off.
0: Yeah, I hope you don't (laughs) give up. I hope you keep going.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah,
0: (laughs) definitely. Well, so I feel, I'm trying to be cognizant of time. Okay, so we had a short little intermission because my dog decided to jump the fence, Um, (laughs) and so... Um, I, I feel like, I feel like there's so much that I wanted to ask you about because like you said, in your email, you have such a interesting story and so many topics that we could hit on. (laughs) Um, but I think, so let's segue into the end of the podcast questions because those always take a little longer than I think they're going to. And, I definitely don't want to keep you on here for, like, three hours. <laughs>
1: oh, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs>
0: um, so, first podcast question is, if you could be any Disney princess character or any cartoon character, one that maybe best describes you or, um, like, a personality that you aspire to be like, who would you pick?
1: Um, Probably Cinderella. <laughs> okay okay um mainly because the whole thing with my hair and you know like she's just so beautiful but she was the, the one that like her sisters like kind of like shunned her down and was like oh you need to stay in because they knew she was beautiful and they didn't want her to come out on her own uh-huh so i just feel like i need to find cinderella within me and just get out there and be like i don't really care what anyone thinks and i already found my prince charming so i don't have to worry about that so now oh. it's just like you know, <laughs> I love that Go out there and be strong and be the woman that I need to be. Yeah. And I actually saw a really good quote earlier and it was, um, oh, growth stems from being uncomfortable. And I think, you know, I've been uncomfortable my whole life and I think I finally come to the point where I'm ready to just grow out of it. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that answer. So, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, um. You just have to release your your alopecia princess. Yes, exactly. Maybe that should be your t-shirt.
1: Yeah. Alopecia princess. Like, why does that Cinderella not have hair? Because she got alopecia. Yeah.
0: Hey, it could happen to Cinderella too. That's awesome. Uh, Okay. So next question. If you could... Describe yourself or symbolize yourself with like a plant or a flower, what would you pick?
1: Um, wow, let's see, probably a rose because, mm. um, I can be super, super nice to look at, but I'm really like, I guess, I, I guess I can be thorns? a little prickly at times. Uh-huh. Like, okay, I'm like hardy and tough, and like, you can look at me, but. Don't touch me kind of a thing. Like, I got a bit of an attitude about me.
0: Okay. Shawana also said a
1: rose. Oh, really? Oh, my yeah. gosh. She said, well, she said a yellow rose. Oh, that's yeah. yeah. I definitely said... had a picture of a red rose in my head. Like,
0: Look at that. Um, okay. So... That's
1: why we're sisters. Oh,
0: yeah. You guys are both in the rose family. I love it. That's so funny that that's what you guys both picked. Well, she picked a yellow rose because, and she was so funny because she was like, I did some research and looked on Google and I would be a yellow rose because yellow roses symbolize joy and peace. And Aww. those are things that I like to bring into the world. And I was like, that's great.
1: <laughs> oh, that's super cute. Look at Shawana <laughs> doing, yeah. doing her little research. <laughs> <laughs> it,
0: was so, it was so adorable. Um, okay. Love that answer too, though. So next question is, what does being a woman mean to you?
1: Um. So for me, I think just being comfortable within myself. Um, being able to like... Oh, I should have went over these questions. But no, for can't. me, just being, being comfortable um, and strong, independent, like, I don't want anybody to rain on my parade. Just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I can't do what a guy can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think, you know, and this has come up a lot because I've taught about joining the military and stuff, and they're like, oh, women can't do, like, the stuff that men can do. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's probably some women out there that can do it. Mm -hmm. now when it comes to like something like going into combat and getting shot at and you know getting killed possibly I'm not quite entirely sure that women should do that but I definitely do think that there is women out there that can do it Mm -hmm. and I think the reason that women should maybe not do that is because I think it would hurt the men that are around them more because they're wanting to protect the woman Mm -hmm. but being a woman I think just being able to have children and the body that God gave us, I mean, it's beautiful, like that in itself is a strength, and mm-hmm. to be able to do those things is amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. yes, good answer <laughs> so you're you're fine, even you're you're good um, all right, so next question is what would you consider to be the bravest thing that you've ever done?
1: Um probably talking on the podcast with you about my whole alopecia thing that's yeah. You know, it's been something that I've kind of hidden for a few, well, for 15 years, 16 years now. So, and I think my bravest moment is yet to come. So that's, I'm i am chasing my bravery to yeah. taking my wig off. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: you totally are. And I would agree. I think that that's really brave. And I'm so honored that you felt ready to share it um, here. So... Um, thank you for sharing it with everyone. It
1: seemed like a good time. It really did. Oh, um,
0: <laughs> well, I, I feel like it's, um, I, I feel like you will impact a lot of women. And honestly, even if it's just one woman who hears it and is like, Oh my gosh, I'm dealing with the same thing. It's like, that's what it's all like. That's what yeah. this is for. That's what this podcast is for. So
1: yeah, like. just to, you know, I want ladies to feel secure about themselves and, you know, and I think your podcast was perfect for it. And, When you asked me, I was like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and do it. It's perfect. You know? Well, I'm so happy
0: that you did. Um, Yeah. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Binks. My dog just came in to say hi to me. Hi. Did Daddy let you in? I think my boyfriend just came home because my dog does not know how to open the door by himself. (laughs) But he knows how to get out, though. (laughs) But he does, yeah, he does know how to get out. Um, Okay, so the next question is, what are you currently chasing? And you kind of just answered it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm chasing to be brave enough to get rid of the wig and just run without it. Um, I'll probably wear it in everyday life just because it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm chasing that. I'm chasing, leaving my bar and getting a different job maybe, mm-hmm. um, which is really hard for me, but I need to start a career somewhere. And of course I'm chasing that Olympic dream. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it happens. Knock on wood. I'm literally knocking on wood right now. I know. Right. <laughs> me
0: too. Actually, I'm super, hyper- <laughs> like, I'm super superstitious. Um, well, I can't wait to follow along with the rest of your journey. Um, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing because you're inspiring. And I mean, the ups and downs obviously are inevitable, but I just think yeah. that um, I just think that you will definitely be successful because it seems like you are like you said you like don't want people to rain on your parade and you seem like you're really <laughs> determined and so I'm yeah. really excited to see how things play out for you and I really wish you the best
1: thank you so much I appreciate it okay
0: everybody I so hope you enjoyed my conversation with joy she's a joy isn't she see what I did there I want to thank her again for being so open and honest and I will 100 percent support her whenever she decides to take that wig off I'm so excited for the episodes that will be coming out in the next few weeks. I have some conversations with noteworthy, speedy mother runners on the docket, as well as two World's Team qualifiers, and I'll just let you wonder who I'm referencing. Once again, if you haven't already, please leave me a rating and review on iTunes. I want to hear your feedback, as I know there's always something that I can improve, and I'd also like to know if there's anything that I'm doing well that you love and want me to continue to do. If you're interested in learning more about me or the show, you can follow me on Instagram at ChasingBravery06 or check out my website, www.ChasingBravery.com. If you want to learn more about Joy and her running journey, you can follow her on Instagram at TheRunningBartender. All right, everyone, as always, I hope you're having a great week and I hope you're looking forward to the weekend with whatever it is you have planned. Thank you again for listening today, and remember, whatever you are chasing, chase bravely.